Hi everyone and welcome back to the Retail Growth Podcast. I'm really excited this morning to have on the amazing Una O'Hagan and for anyone that doesn't know Una, she is the owner managing director of Mars Pharmacy. Um, She is uh, an entrepreneur at heart and um, she sits on a lot of boards and she's involved in a lot of various um, companies and organizations and I'm going to get her to talk a little bit around that and Retail Excellence is another one she's part of um, she's really leading the way in pharmacy and how we look at that I suppose as a business um, I have a retail background myself and I love the aspect that um, Una takes with her pharmacies and how she puts her employees first and definitely customer service at the forefront of everything she does so big thank you for coming on this morning Una. I, I really appreciate it no problem at all pleasure pleasure thank you for the invite on yeah thank you Fantastic. So for anyone out there that um, is living under a rock or maybe doesn't know about um, Una or Mars Pharmacy, tell me kind of where, where that kind of came from or a little bit about it. OK, well, listen, I'm a pharmacist by profession and um, come from the north of Ireland, from Tyrone, and then came to Dublin uh, to the big smoke um, after college or after I did my A-levels. And I always wanted to come to Dublin because I had two aunts in Dublin and used to spend the summers down looking after their kids. So always wanted to come to Dublin, used to take them in, the kids in around Trinity at the time, um, you know, just or to the zoo or to different places, whatever, and just loved the whole feel of Trinity. So I wanted to come to Dublin, wanted to do, go to Trinity. Um, knew I was going to do something science because I did science A levels or whatever. Uh, applied to do medicine, got the points to do medicine, but changed at the very last minute because I have this fear of needles. Um, so when Trinity phoned just to confirm, I was definitely taking the place in medicine. I actually said, no, actually, can you change me into pharmacy? So I was never planning to do pharmacy at all until that moment. Um, but I did. I, I, I actually think it's a better mix for me because it's a mix of between business and, um, you know, and science. So. So I ended up doing pharmacy four years, it was at that time. And then I did my um, at that time, you had to do four years in college and then a year under the guidance of a tutor. Um, and my tutor, I happened to be living on Baggett Street at the time in student accommodation with three other girls from the north and uh, Mars on Baggett Street was my local pharmacy. I used to pop in like for my bits, you know, my tweezers and my fake yeah. tan and stuff like that. And um and I asked Pierce one day, I, used to, I suppose built up the relationship with Pierce um, just from popping in. And one day I asked him, would he be my tutor? Um, because we were sent out, I think, in third year to find a tutor, pharmacist or whatever. So he said yes. And um, it was really awkward. It, it felt like I was asking, you know, a 60-year-old out in a date, to be honest with you. But, um, but I did my intern year with him then. And he was my tutor. And he taught me everything there is to know about pharmacy you know because in college you you learn the academics you learn about the drugs and so on and so forth but you don't get that interaction with people and he had done phenomenal work within the community it had been his mum's pharmacy before it was a family business they grew up in the pharmacy they lived above the pharmacy so very much within the community and that's what I loved about it and that's what attracted me to it so I had the most wonderful year with him never wanted to leave my last day begged him to keep me on um, he was pushing me out the door and said, no, no, you have to go. You have to go. You have to fly your wings or whatever. And I asked him the question that I always wanted to ask him for the whole year, which was, if you're ever selling this pharmacy, would you let me know? And he told me, yes, he would let me know just to get me out the door and stop me crying. And four years later, I got that call from him to say he was selling and he pro- he remembered the promise and he wanted to tell me. And um, and sure, I got off the phone thinking, oh, my God, this pharmacy is going to be mine. Having not a penny in the bank. 
Um, but the absolute determination that I was going to raise the funds somehow. And um and that that's it. I, I went and um seen a number of different banks and whatnot, got lots of no's before I got a yes, um, and was able to raise the, the finance to buy the pharmacy. So the, at that stage I was in my early twenties. Um didn't have a, a, a really I don't know when I look back at it now it was kind of like because it was two million punts at the time so it was a hell of a lot of money and I had no funds but I had no fear I guess um and because I just knew it was going to work I just knew it was going to work and um so then I bought the business from him and from then that was two back in 2001 we have gone on to open um nine pharmacies in total now and and we set up the online store back in 2014 on the back of talking to our customers and what it was that they were looking for at that time um and thank god we did because clearly you know online throughout this pandemic has been absolutely a huge part of the business and also a, a way to keep our people safe and our customers safe as well so to look after our customers in a different way so we now at this minute in time we have nine pharmacies all dublin based um we always have stuck in dublin we probably need to get outside of the the, the pale now at this stage and get into you know otherwise but we look after customers all the length and breadth of ireland and actually we ship to 58 different countries all over the world now so um so there's people in i don't know argentina and, and australia and dubai getting packages every single week from us um so it's brilliant it's it's gone on and listen we've been able to i suppose throughout the pandemic as well digitize a lot of the services that we would normally provide in person um through our digital platforms because we had to do that you know there was no other um way to look after our customers so that's who we are um uh we have probably 150 people working for us maybe 160 people working for us today so growing from that one pharmacy to where we're at today it's been it's been a journey let's say it's been a roller coaster you know yeah it's been a roller coaster um, we have, I suppose, just listening to what you said there, and, and I would work with a lot of retailers, a lot of small ones, and they're looking like you were to expand. So they have that one store and they're looking to expand their store portfolio. Um, and it is a big, it is a big jump going from having that one store where you do have all that control and that autonomy of the business and expanding that out. Can you talk to me about kind of how that kind of, what you need to put in place or how that kind of happened? Because there is, we we all know we want to we want to keep that customer service really well. We want to keep it very much, you know, when we go out and we expand the business, that's where we can have those maybe those issues that we didn't see before. Um, can you talk me through that a little bit of, of what how that kind of happened or or advice you might give to someone that is expanding and open more than one store? Yeah, I think to, for me, it's all about well, two things, people. Uh, first and foremost having people in place um that act you know or you know treat the business almost as if, as if it's their own because if you're going to expand and you're going to I, I remember the day that I moved over to Ranala when we, we opened our second store I was like leaving baggage treat my, like my baby behind and I needed to have the right people in place there that would run the business just as if it, I was there you know and they you know treat it as if it was their own and, and really care about it really it comes down to um that whole caring uh, for the business like like you would do so and I was very lucky and um, that I did have that and that enabled me to take that next step and then the second thing I think it's about processes you know and um, whenever you're, you're you start off you know you are you do everything you know you're the you, you know the butcher the baker the candlestick maker you're wearing all of the hats or whatever but if you are going to grow and to scale 
you, you need to have a very engaged high trust team that treat the business as if it's your their own and you need to have processes because whenever you're not there they need to be able to understand well what would what what way to to act or to do you know if you you know if you're not there as if you were there so it is about processes and as you grow and as you scale and where we're at today you know processes are so important to have that kind of structure in place but at the same time you know you don't want to make it that there's an SOP for absolutely everything and everybody's turned into robots I just can't stand that and um, we're, tr- we're always trying to get our people to make the right decision um, for the customer and to be feel empowered to do that um, and do it their own way but to stay within you know some sort of parameters because that's what keeps that sort of family culture that customer uh, care like very natural and very alive I guess but at the same time there are structures and some some level of processes to to the whole thing so it's really about people and it's about processes um, and, and keeping that culture alive is so so important. Mm. There's, there's a big thing around culture I think and and and, and looking at that and, and and looking at I suppose that a lot of businesses that I would have worked with it's it's actually trying to cultivate an entrepreneurial spirit within your leadership team and your business yeah. and, and going back to what you said there and um, it's that caring and that actually um, imagining it as if it's their own business and yeah. um, can you talk me through if there's if there's anyone listening because I've I've obviously worked in a lot of different organizations. You have the ones that are um as you touched on there, there's a policy for everything. If you open the back door, there's a sign off for the back. You know, there's yeah. a lot of kind of we, we can go into overdrive and it's it's finding that happy medium and that balance. Um is there anything that you're doing in particular that is cultivating that culture within your business? And um, that's that's I suppose allowing people to um obviously staying within the remit of what they're meant to do, but is allowing them to have their own entrepreneurial spirit almost and um is supporting that culture and supporting you in, in growing your business. Yeah. Well, I think the, the the thing that we do and probably the foundation to everything that we do is mm-hmm. that we, you know, we have six core values in our business so six core principles and we do everything around that um so we recruit around that we train around that we manage performance around that they are the behaviors within our business and it's not just that they're on a sheet of paper and they're up on a a, a, you know a wall somewhere like we eat breathe and sleep those values and that is the bedrock i suppose uh, of building uh, a high trust culture within the business and a culture where people have the freedom to be themselves and to show up and to bring the best of themselves to work and a different um i suppose set of abilities than maybe what i have or what somebody else has so be themselves but also to have some sort of parameters that people know this is the way we behave around here because this is the bedrock of what this business is about. This is the heartbeat of it. And and as long as we don't stray away from that, and as long as we have people aligned to those values, then we have that diversity, but we have the core principles in place. And and for me, that that that's what it's about. It's it's about recruiting people on our bus going the same direction who want to be on our bus, who want to go to the same place, if you know what I mean, like they and and they're sitting on a seat, but they're very individual people. But at the same, there is a connecting thread between everybody, if that makes sense. There's a golden thread that connects us. And it is back to those six key values. And listen, you know, at this minute in time, 
you know, there is, it's a, there's a real fight for talent. There's a, you know, a huge problem in getting people, you know, um, but still we will not recruit someone who doesn't display those six values, um, despite the fact that, you know, it, that, you know, that we have lots of positions um, open and available at the minute. There's no point bringing in somebody who doesn't display those values because that's when it goes wrong. So, you know, for us, it is about customer first, you know, people who will go the length and breadth and above and beyond for our customers, you know, to solve their problems. It is about community. And um, we want people who want to make a positive impact in our communities, be that our communities around our stores, or be that from a digital point of view, you know, our online community. We want people um, to display a quest for knowledge and want to be an expert. So constantly learning, constantly developing, a curious mind, um, always want to get, you know, know more and, and be better at what they're doing. We want people who have a strong family ethos so that, and that doesn't mean to say that we're all happy, happy, clappy, clappy, and we all act, you know, as some sort of dysfunctional family or anything. It's about actually recognizing, you know, that we're all very different and we support each other, you know. And, you know, somebody like, for example, I'm so bad at IT, like Louise, um, and my team know that, but they'll support me in that because they'll know, okay, in a country, a PowerPoint presentation. I'll do that for her and she'll do something else for me. So we recognize everybody's strengths and weaknesses within the business. Um, we have a real quest for, as I said, not only expertise, but actually doing things better. So pushing boundaries. So we want people who will come on board, who want to do things better within the community and um, want to do things better within the pharmacy profession, want to push the boundaries and improve the industry. So that innovation is really important to us. And lastly, we want people who are incredibly positive. And that's the kind of golden thing that people always say to us about our team in Mars. How do you recruit somebody, a, a whole team that are all positive? And it's not been happy, happy, clappy, clappy, and we're all going around with big smiles in our face. It's more that we look at, no matter what comes ahead of us, what's the opportunity in this? How do we solve this problem? So always looking for an opportunity in a crisis. And I can tell you in the last two years, that has absolutely stood to us. So those are the core principles that we are looking for. Those are the things that we look for in people who turn up for interviews. Those are the things that we interview on, recruit on, performance manage because those are the behaviors that we're displaying so people can be amazing at what they do but if they don't display those behaviors if they don't support each other if they don't approach um challenges with a positive mindset then they're really not you know they're not going to really fit with us and so that those are and that builds our culture those six key principles build our, our culture and that's the thing that makes us very different and so like when my team, when, you know, when a customer walks into Baggett Street and they've got an issue, as long as they know that if I can solve this customer's problem, because actually our core principle is customer first, you know, they don't have to say, well, I'll have to phone somebody in head office and I'll come back to you next week. We don't want any of that. We want our team to feel empowered that they have the bandwidth to solve the customer problem because that's who we are. And nobody's going to ever get them into any sort of trouble you know, as long as they act for we're here to actually put our customer first, then that's it. And that gives you the flexibility, I suppose, within your culture to 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 be who you want to be and to show up and to solve these problems. But it also means that we still have those, I suppose, key principles or key values, those core values that connect us all. Um, so and it is it is about keeping that alive. So and that's my job in all of this to make sure that I am 
you know, talking about these key values, talking about where we're going, talking about our strategy to my team, and that, that infiltrates all the way throughout the business. And, um, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we've been recognized for, you know, and great places to work, because that's what builds a high culture, culture environment. Um, and, you know, the last three years, we've been recognized as one of the best places to work here in Ireland, and we've made the top 30 the last two years. And that's what it's about. It is about culture. Um, and, you know, years ago, whenever I set up a business, there was not much talk about culture. There was not much talk about or it was something, you know, on a shiny kind of poster or whatever in, in on a boardroom. But it was never really, um, you know, you couldn't feel it in an organization, but you can feel that in our organization. There's no question about that. And when I go around the stores, I can feel it in the air. I can see it. I can see it in the interactions with our customers. I can see it in our, our interactions with our team members to each other. So that's what it's about. That's the magic. Mm. Um, and, I, and I love hearing that. And you can, you can get that. I, I always say to people, you um, when you walk onto a shop floor, um, it doesn't matter what retailer it is, um, you, you get an energy, you, you get a yeah. feeling. And <laughs> I always... I always say, you know, if you go into any of these chain stores and you might be known in Galway or Limerick or Cork, when you walk into that store um, it's the actual personality of the of, of the manager that, that actually starts that whole atmosphere within the business. And you get the feel when you walk in that door, whether you want to stay for five minutes or you want to get out the door within five seconds. So um, it's a feeling in the air and it takes years and years to build. And, it, you know, and if you don't have the right people on the team, it can it can be damaged really quickly. That's why it's so important to keep it alive and to always be talking about it, you know, and, and to performance manage people on it, because it's actually about the behaviors that they display. Um, so, it you know, it can't you can't create it overnight. Um, it takes a lot of hard work. But that is the magic, because, as you say, you can feel it when you walk through a door um, and it's a difference. And, you know, it's a, it's the thing that will re- attract people to your business. It, it is the thing that will retain people to your business, particularly in this environment that we're in now. And it's the thing that then feeds out to your customers. So your customers feel it. And that's the thing that makes them want to do business with you. Because at the end of the day, business is all about people and people do business with people that they like, you know, with businesses that they like that have a heartbeat, really. And it's the thing that will get people to cross the road in Baggett Street and come to us rather than going to a competitor. You know, it's about people at the end of the day. It all comes back to people. So but it it takes a lot of work to um, to, to get it the way that you want it. And it takes a lot of work to keep it alive, particularly when you grow and scale, because the more and more people that you add um, to the business and, and that you recruit, it takes a lot of work to onboard them, to get them to understand, um, to train them the way that, you know, and, and, and then just to keep it alive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, engagement seems to be a big thing. Um, and, and, you know, we see all the surveys out there that so many of us go to work and, and there's probably maybe, you know, a small percentage of the day we're actually engaged in the workplace and then we're not engaged in the workplace. Is there any initiatives that you're doing in, in your business to keep that engagement going with the team, to keep them, I suppose, excited in their job role? Um, to, because I know from working with people, it can be 
some tasks are quite mundane and you know I'd be quite vocal about that now where I worked you know it is some things are boring but they have to get done but then we might look at ways to maybe get them involved in projects in different in different areas of the business mm-hmm. um because maybe they have an interest in HR you might get them involved in a new HR initiative or whatever that might be is there anything that you're doing there maybe the people are listening in on um that they could go um you know with with all these amazing things that you've gotten to a great place to work that you've taken some um learning from it and said you know what we're going to implement that in the business I've heard what the team have given me as feedback and and you've really seen a win uh, come out of the back of that yeah well we we have a process again Louise for um engagement check-ins so our Mm -hmm. teams everybody within the business would have an engagement check-in um at least once a quarter right and that process is just it's really really simple four questions you know what's going well what's not going so well um have you got everything to yeah you need to do your job and who do you want me to thank on on your behalf and uh, and that's really important that last question for the recognition of other team members but usually what what's going well and what's not going so well will give us loads of ideas okay so things that um, need to be improved within the business or things that are going really well maybe in one particular store or online or whatever that gives us ideas um of there's a little golden nugget in that you know um and from that all of that information is created and brought back to our hr department and we'll analyze that and we'll see actually what else is in that now for example Throughout the pandemic, loads of ideas came through that process. For example, what was not going so well at that time was our customers were missing our, our pharmacist team members because they were getting their medicines when everybody was sick, couldn't, but they couldn't speak to our team members. And so they were, there was a real loneliness around um, for our customers and they, you know, and they didn't know how to take their medicines effectively because they might have been put on a new medicine, but because they weren't having any face-to-face interactions with our team members, um, that was missing. So that was apparent on coming out of that engagement check-in uh, process all of the time, like, you know, through throughout the pandemic. And so on the back of that, the solution to that, and it came from our teams, was let's do this digitally. And 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 that's that's when we set up our first the first ever online um pharmacist, digital pharmacist here in Ireland, where a customer could click on their mobile phone, be at home and talk to our pharmacist online. And our pharmacist could say, here you go now, Louise, you've just been put on this inhaler. This is how you use it. And look at these little tablets, they're red, you take six today, five tomorrow, whatever. And and it meant that our customers could, first of all, get the information, the important information about their medicines and how to take them pro- appropriately. But second of all, it was back to connecting people again, because that's why a lot of people come in to talk to our pharmacists. And it's more about not necessarily just about the tablets, but actually just finding out how they're doing and that. So it was hugely beneficial from uh, the point of view of actually solving not only the compliance piece and the medication piece, but actually the loneliness piece, particularly our uh, elderly uh, population as well. So. That was something that came out of that engagement check-in, which actually kicked us forward in terms of um, innovation, you know. Um, and, and from that led then, we launched an online doctor service. We've launched now, um, we're about to launch an online physio service. Who would have thought that you would be able to see a pelvic floor specialist online, you know. Um, we're launching an online podiatry service or whatever. And that all of this has happened as a result of just those in kind of engagement check-ins. What's not going so well? Well, listen, we're supposed to be always looking after the customer. Here's what the customer is saying. How can we solve this uh, problem for them? So I think having a process for engagement 
is a key thing. And then, you know, once once your team gave you the information to do something with it, to analyze that information and not just say, okay, well, that's a tick box exercise. Let's stick that in the drawer until the next six months. It's actually what what is coming out of that process? Where's the little golden nuggets of information and to do something with it, to listen to them, actively listen to them. And also at that time, like, you know, we, myself, our superintendent pharmacist and our head of retail went around every single store throughout the pandemic. And we had a team meeting at nighttime and the store was closed with everybody in the store to find out. It was almost like the same process, you know, what's going well for the entire team, you know, or for that particular community and what could, could be solved. There was loads that came out of those as well. But again, that takes time, that takes commitment, that takes effort, whatever. But boy was that worthwhile you know so many new innovations came out of that process but again it's about asking it's about listening and it's about actually acting on some of that you can't do everything we wouldn't be able to do everything but it's like okay well if something the same thing is coming out of three or four stores there's something in that because that's a problem that's a problem for our customers that's a problem for our teams what are we going to do about it yeah yeah that's fantastic um and it's it's great to see that actionable things can come out because we see a lot of the time we do surveys or there's certain things done in the business but sometimes that 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 follow-up piece can get a little bit not forgotten about but it can be moved down on that priority list so it's it's really interesting to hear your take on that um talking around vision and and you talked about that earlier that you know you know my role in the business the organization is that kind of visionary piece and and I can imagine when you're on the shop floor the team are listening to you and when you do your visits or your site visits that they're going okay you know what direction are we going in um how has the vision changed I suppose we know with COVID everything was fast forward but what is your vision going forward I suppose for Mars Pharmacy Where, where do you see the kind of the um the next the next year I suppose to 18 months in the business Well, I suppose um, I, I think that what the pandemic has shown us is that, um, well, first of all, it's reprioritized healthcare in general. I think everybody has out of the pandemic, they've realized actually material things don't really matter. Yes, they're nice to have, but actually what matters is my health, the health of my families, the health of my parents, you know. So healthcare in itself has completely been reprioritized. But the second big, huge um, thing that has actually happened is that preventative care, you know, not waiting until you get sick, but actually doing all you can in order to stay well. And we've like we've been championing this in Mars since I'd say back in 2006 when we were like started working and doing a lot of screening. But we've really pushed that forward now. So what we what we've discovered is really, you know, patients fall into either one of two categories they either have a chronic illness and they want to be able to manage that better so it's really about having services that 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 provide solutions for them within a community setting because now the accessibility into hospitals or even gps throughout the the whole pandemic there was you know whatever was a waiting list before you know you you may add an extra six months onto that whereas here we were in the community we're accessible nine out of ten times the service is pretty much free or very low cost we know the patients really really well they can come into us they feel comfortable coming into us because they know us or whatever we're there to deliver that service now so there's lots of services that we would be doing for say for example diabetics or um patients who have you know heart conditions or blood pressure um conditions whatever that now we have absolutely step that forward so if i look at say for example our diabetic patients before the pandemic 
you know, they would have been coming into us on a regular basis to maybe get their blood sugars done. Now we're providing so much more than that. Um, not only blood sugars and HbA1c testing, but we're now have teamed up with the team out of liver wellness in St. James's Hospital, Professor Suzanne Norris, and we're now screening them for liver um, disease as well. Now, that's a, a service that is the first ever in Europe to be delivered in a pharmacy setting. Um, but it was purely born out of, well, they couldn't get into the hospital throughout the pandemic. They still needed to get their uh, liver checked because there's a silent epidemic amongst type 2 diabetics called non-alcohol fatty liver disease. They couldn't get in to see Professor Norris. She couldn't get to see them. So here was us in the middle where we could provide that service. So things like that, where we have taken the service out of the hospital or possibly away from GPs in order to support them so that they could get on with, um, I suppose, the more serious um, aspects of their care throughout the pandemic. And we've been able to deliver that in the community setting. So that's one cohort in terms of chronic illness. Then you have people who don't have a chronic illness, but they are concerned about their health because maybe they have a genetic disposition to something or their mum or their dad had something and they want to make sure that they don't develop that illness, be that diabetes, be that a heart condition, whatever. And we're there to provide screening services to make sure that if they do have something, it's caught early. Um, so pharmacy is moving. And I guess what has changed in terms of our vision is really pushing that forward now in terms of, you know, we're a one-stop shop where we can provide these services to our customers, either in a preventative session or in a setting where they have a chronic illness, but we're helping them manage it better all under one roof. And if we can't, if we don't have the expertise to provide that service, um, then we will partner with people who has that expertise and we'll bring them under our roof so that the patient doesn't have to travel to here for one thing, here for another thing, here for, they can just come to Mars and everything can be done for them because it's much more accessible to them and, and they know our teams. So it's really about elevating those pharmacy services. So pre-pandemic, I guess, patients would have seen a pharmacy as a place to come to for their medicines, collect their prescription medicines. Now, today, in our pharmacies, there is somebody constantly in the consultation room, they might be getting, I don't know, a COVID vaccine, they might be getting a screening done, they might be getting an antigen test for a fly as you go, they might be getting a 24 hour blood pressure monitor attached, all of these things that we would never have been doing pre pandemic, we're doing today. And that's what it is about. It's about much more service led services, so that it's, we're a one stop shop for, for patients within the community. So listening to you there there's a lot obviously you're doing with partnering with doctors on some yes. different things and it seems that the the pharmacy has, has it seems like it's moved almost it's moved from a I'm going to come in and get my bits to I'm actually going to come in and spend the a longer time in your pharmacies now than what they probably normally would have before it might have been an in and out piece where that dwell time is a lot longer now in in the business um so they're in there for a lot longer um we, we have a big thing in retail around experiential and you'll probably not hear about this. You've already heard about it loads and um, where, you know, you, you want the customer to come in and have an experience. And I can I can see that you're already creating that and on a needs basis for your customers coming through the door. Um, if there was one thing that you could say, just one thing that you could tick off a wish list or tick off a, a, a piece to, for somebody to do to make that magic happen in their business, what would it be? In terms of experiential, yeah, 
Um, well, I always I think that a customer experience in a store is like a three legged stool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this in our business a lot where it's the th- three P's. It's about the product. It's about the people and it's about the place. Yeah. You can have the fanciest product, beautiful settings. But if you don't have good customer service, good people, then it falls over. Or you can have the you know, the most beautiful gleaming shop. Yeah. And the product mix could be wrong. Or again, you just don't have the right people that falls over or you could have an awful look in the store and it's dirty and it's not the standards are are, are really poor you know with, but you could have fantastic people but the product mix is not right so you've got to concentrate on on those three p's have the right product in the right place like good standards that talk to the customer so that they understand you know what the product actually does um with the right people that people who Number one, have the expertise to deliver that service, be it a service or know about the product, but actually just be able to talk to people as well. So, you know, have really good communication skills and um, not a hard sell. You know, we're here to find out at the end of the day, we're here to s- provide solutions to our customers. So we, we need to figure out why they're coming through our door in the first place. They're coming through, they're, like they're not coming in, having a wander around nine out of 10 people coming into a pharmacy are coming in for a reason. You know, they're either A, not well themselves or B, there's somebody in their family not well, or maybe they are coming in, the odd person coming in for a lipstick and a brows, whatever. So we need to be able to identify why they're coming through the door in the first place. And so that is actually just interacting with customers and asking them questions. So we need to have the right people with those skills that can have those interpersonal conversations and can recognize the difference between customers because some customer runs in the door they're in a rush they just want to pick up something and go they don't want to have the chats whereas other people come in because maybe we're going to be the only person they'll talk to in the day and being able to recognize that and have that emotional intelligence to to know what does that customer want and then to dissect i suppose get from the customer what solutions are they looking for? What's their problem? You know, so if they're coming in for a skincare cream, to be able to ask the right questions to find out what's their skincare concern, because nine out of 10 customers actually don't even know what they need when it comes to skincare. They don't even know if their skin is dry or dehydrated. What's the difference between the two? They don't know, you know, so they don't know the issue. So we need to have our teams with that right expertise to find out the information so that they can provide the solution for the customer in the first place. And then we have to obviously have the products on the shelf to provide that solution. And then we have to have the standards in the store, you know, looking so well, that it's inviting. So a little bit of theater, you know, and it can be as simple as displays. It can be as simple as co-merchandising products with, you know, so if it's beautiful sunny day here in Dublin today, so, you know, having out, hay fever products along with SPF, along with it, so that you can see, actually, this is what I might need for the weekend altogether, as opposed to products all over the shop or whatever, you know. So it's about just creating that theatre. And, you know, sampling, we do a lot of sampling. We have a lot of our reps or experts or even people who have created a brand coming into the store to tell their story in our store. Because customers love to hear the, the brand story behind certain products as well. So it's just doing things a little bit differently than um than maybe some of our competitors would do because we're we're not like you know a supermarket model Louise we're we're not that sort of cold feeling we don't want that feeling in our stores we want you to come in we're very much customer service led so that requires interaction and to have interaction you've got to have the right people it's back to people again yeah yeah I love that and um 
can totally relate with that. I've I've worked with it with a few brands and the the brand story and the brand story around products is is so important, I think. And sometimes it's underestimated how much people actually buy into that story of a product um and and meeting the maker and getting to know them on on a personal level um mm-hmm. and and letting that story travel really does make a huge impact on on a product based business and on a lot of businesses as well um thank you so much today una i've 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 had a great chat with you and you've given really great nuggets there and if i could just summarize we're talking about culture today which is a really big one your brand values which um plays a big role in your business from your onboarding to your recruitment to your performance management to how you oversee areas your business and and have that metric in it and to support building that culture in the business seems to be very important which is great to hear um I I love hearing values um as a coach values are very important um and in a business as well you can see that rang through and the personal piece as well is something I've heard you come back with a lot and having that personal touch not just with your team, but the way your team actually interact with your customers and obviously having that trickle down from yourself all the way down to the shop floor. And it's fantastic to hear. Um, thank you so much for your time this morning. I super appreciate it. And it's been amazing listening and talking to you this morning. No problem at all. Pleasure. Thank <laughs> Pleasure. You. Thanks a million. Thanks thank for you. the invite on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.